This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. And let's take a moment and let's just all turn in our Bibles to Romans 16. If you're using the Bible we passed out, that's page 627. All right, let's stand together. I love the scripture. I love the passage today. Is the passage I sent in the lectionary today. And we're going to speak about peace and look at what the Lord says about that. Starting with verse 25, it's now to him who has the power to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation about Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept silent for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures, according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of faith among all nations To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we need your peace because your peace passes understanding. And so some of us don't even understand that we need your peace today. Lord, we know that wealth and contentment and provision is good And we desire that, but Lord, if we have those things and don't have your peace, it's incomplete. Your peace completes the equation. Jesus, you said, peace be still. And you said that peace you would leave us. And so we're just asking that today, as we've already experienced your presence through this music, that as the teaching of your word comes forward, that peace would just rest upon us. And we know that peace is your presence. It's Jesus, the only one. So as we proclaim your scripture, look at your word. Uh, We pray the peace of Christ would just be at home and rest in our hearts. And it's in his name we pray. And if you agree, would you say amen? Amen. Okay, be seated. Beaumont, Texas. Has anyone been to Beaumont, Texas? A few of you, there's not much going on in Beaumont, I hope I didn't offend any of you Lamar University graduates or those who are in Southeast Texas. Beaumont's in Southeast Texas. And south of Beaumont, there's some very famous land. I grew up in Texas, and so we spent some time studying this in Texas history, seventh grade Texas history, but it had national significance too. Uh, This land, all through the 1800s, was just normal ranch land as Texas was being settled, as it was... uh, you know, being uh, the settlers were coming and identifying property and just kind of trying to live out this existence and farming. And it was just normal land, but there was some speculation that oil could be there. And so there was a lot of oil drilling that was happening. And in 1901, oil was struck and Texas and our nation were never the same again. There's a place called Spindletop. And Spindletop, you can see this, this was circa 1902, about one year after they struck oil, that everyone who wanted to make money was going to what was, at that time, the largest known oil supply in the world. The companies, you may remember Texaco uh, and Gulf Oil, which are now part of Chevron, both of these companies 
started and were primarily um, existing because of Spindletop. 100,000 gallons per day were produced from this land, and it changed our nation's economy. In fact, America became the number one producer of oil and energy for decades and decades. So here's the thought that struck me as I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about these farmers and this land we now know as Spindletop, before it was Spindletop. They're, they're trying to exist. They're trying to get the next crop. They're trying to ranch. They're, they're trying to get by. And I'm sure that many of those farmers had rough harvest and they had rough winters and they had rough seasons and they probably felt uh, like they were poor and they felt like you know, they had this meager existence to try to get through, not realizing that right underneath their feet were the riches of the world. Right underneath their feet was every single thing they need, every single thing they need. Guys, listen, T today we're talking about peace and I know we're looking at the word hope right now. That's my fault for putting that in there. But uh, we're talking about peace today. And here's the deal. We all need God's peace, don't we? And a lot of times we're looking for peace through money. We're looking for peace through relationships. We're looking for peace through career advancement. We're even looking for peace, a lot of us, through, I don't know, advancement through religious organizations. And the peace that we need is right underneath our feet. And more accurately, more accurately, the peace that we need is right within us if we're a believer in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit residing in us. He is our peace. He's the deposit of peace. And he's every single thing we need. Here's the first thing I want to observe about peace is peace is sometimes concealed. Look at Romans 16, 25 again. It says, now to him who has the power to strengthen you according to my gospel and to proclaim about Jesus Christ the, the, uh, according to the revelation of the mystery kept silent for long ages. This is one of the great realizations that some of us don't understand. That for centuries and centuries and centuries, the, the gospel message had not been revealed and there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of lack of understanding. There, there was a lot of wondering and, and there, was, there was hope and, and there was hope for something better. There was hope for a peace that would come, but no one was quite sure what that peace was. And this scripture reminds us that, that the mystery kept silent for long ages. Brothers and sisters, what's beautiful about this today is that it was kept silent, but the mystery's not silent anymore. We know we are among the privileged. We are among the redeemed. We are the, the chosen ones. That God's grace has said, hey, I have chosen you. Around Christmas, let's go to Luke chapter two. There's a story of a man named Simeon who personifies the type of people that were waiting for this Messiah, that were living in the mystery, that were living when peace was concealed. And they were living in a time when peace was concealed and peace wasn't there. And Simeon was an example of, of what the population of Israel, the Jewish people were. He was an exceptional leader. But now we pick up the story in Luke chapter two, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus performed for him what was customary under the law. Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, and said this, Now, Master, you can dismiss your slave in peace, as you promise. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Look at verse 29. You see again, he said, now you can dismiss your slave in peace. Now you can dismiss your slave in peace. Peace had been concealed from Simeon. And peace was something that he sought after. And peace is something, there's just something in his life that just wasn't quite right. The Holy Spirit was leading him. You saw, it was the Holy Spirit that brought him to the temple. It was the Holy Spirit that was upon him. Yet, there was something missing in his life. Do you know what that something was? It's obvious that something was Jesus. Jesus was that missing piece of the puzzle. That part of the equation that was just missing in his life. And guys, I want you to understand that Jesus is our sufficiency. And, and you may be among those who have it all together according to the world. You, you have an education. You have a job. You have access to resources. Uh, you're, you're relationally connected in a way that's satisfying. But there's something that's, that's just nagging. It's just not quite right. There's something that's missing in your life. And I, I want you to realize that thing is... that thing that's missing is not something as somebody as Jesus. And before you start dismissing me saying, oh, this is an evangelistic service, nonsense. Because most of us who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, uh, let me rephrase that. Most of us who have had a conversion moment a long time ago are not walking with Jesus anymore. I mean, just because you have an understanding of salvation doesn't mean you're walking with Jesus right now. Some of us have checked salvation off our checklist and we think, well, I'm you know, going to heaven and I understand intellectually the gospel message. In fact, I can recite it to you and I can, you know, I can tell someone how to get saved. And, and you got the whole issue of heaven and hell satisfied, but that doesn't mean you have a satisfactory friendship with Jesus Christ. I think one of the, the uh, reasons Christians are, are in so much confusion and their lives are so messed up, and frankly, their lives lack the peace that God has for them, is because we have forgotten the most simple and basic component of our spiritual life, and that is connecting with Jesus Christ. And we're like spiritual zombies. Go to church on Sunday morning at 905 and sit there and listen to the song and walk out the door and then let's go watch football and go out to lunch and that will make a great son. Zombies walking through life. It's Christmas Eve again. Let's just show up. And, and the life of Christ isn't within us. And then we wonder why we're dissatisfied with our homes and we're dissatisfied with our spouses and we're dissatisfied with our kids and we're dissatisfied with where we live and we don't have good enough clothes and we don't have nice enough cars and we don't have prestigious enough jobs. Why? It's because the satisfaction that the presence of God has for us, we've abandoned that. 
and we've deceived ourselves. And I just want you to know, guys, the peace that you need is right here in your heart if you have the Holy Spirit. Let's connect with him. Going back, the peace is right underneath our feet like those farmers in Spindletop. We have the riches of the gospel, the riches of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Everything we need is right there within us, deposited by God, yet, yet our minds are not set on the things of God and our hearts aren't set on the things of God and we're bound by pride and materialism. We're bound by sin. We, we are, we are um, inappropriately addicted to entertainment. We try to entertain and medicate and sin our way out of our zombie state. And instead, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, his presence is here and he wants us to access his presence. Amen? Did y'all like that just now? Well, you know what? That was for you because that wasn't in my notes. And, you know, hey, I know you laugh, but maybe the Holy Spirit wanted you to hear that, right? The Holy Spirit wanted you to hear that. I haven't told you guys a lot about my sister. My sister is just a jewel of a person. She lives in Dallas. She's a few years older than me, and so she kind of has been sometimes like a mom to me, but really as I age, as a child, she was kind of like a second mom, but then now as an adult, we're best of friends, and uh, our families go on vacation together and we spend a lot of time together. She's just, a, just a, the, one of the nicest people you would ever meet. Well, growing up, as she moved into adolescence, uh, she was a single woman and she was everybody's best friend. Everyone's best friend. You would not believe how often she was in a wedding. I mean, it was like, I lost track and I would see she's getting one of those Ugly wedding dresses, especially back in the 90s when they were really ugly. No offense to those of you who were married in that era. And she was always throwing people showers, always organizing the celebration for other people all through her 20s. And because she was everyone's best friend, it wasn't just for the girls. She would be the maid of honor in countless weddings and then all her guy friends would get married and she would be the girl who cut the groom's cake, like wedding after wedding after wedding. And she celebrated with everyone, uh, but she went through her 20s and into her mid-30s uh, being a single lady, never being married. And we all wondered, you know, why in, the world, why in the world of all people, of all people who needed a great spouse, it would be Shelby. I mean, she was everyone's best friend, a children's pastor, in the church we started in Texas, she was our children's pastor. She, in her 20s, she was a bus pastor and she would bus in inner city kids to the church she served in. And, and so we all wondered, you know, why, Lord, why hasn't she get married yet? I mean, I mean, why, Lord? She's, she's a beautiful girl, a great girl. Why hasn't this happened? And so I uh, went on lots of dates, lots of guys she dated that didn't get her uh, brother's approval or her dad's approval. So we went through some tough relationships and all of that's part of the growing up process, I guess. So after Beth and I got married, I, I got married before her. And so we were married. It was like in our second year of marriage. We'd planted the church in Texas. We're part of that church team, plant team. And we heard Shelby had another date. And it's like, oh, okay, here's, here's another date. We'll see where this goes. That happened on a Friday night. 
Then on Saturday, she had a children's church activity at the mall. It was this mall with a big skating rink where you can kind of, you know, you can stand on the balcony and kind of watch all the skaters. And, and we, had, we knew that she was there with the kids and Beth and I were shopping. And so we said, hey, let's go check on the kids. So we look over the balcony and we're looking down on this ice skating rink. And we see my sister, about circa 35 here, skating around and all the little kids, but something had changed because this tall, dark-haired, handsome guy was skating next to her, holding her hand. And it was like this moment, you're like, whoa. Because any guy who goes to a children's church ice skating event the day after a day, you know there's promise here, right? (laughs) And I remember we looked and saw them, and Beth and I just kind of looked at each other, and it was like, everything changed right then. I mean, everything changed. Where where there, there had been guy after guy and moment after moment and just frustration after frustration. Well, everything changed right there. And all of a sudden, something was just, that was concealed, was then revealed. You know, peace, the moment of peace often comes to us suddenly. It comes to us fast. And the story of Christmas is one night, one morning, whenever that was, we like to think of it as night, Everything changed. Peace came to the world. Peace that had been concealed. Simeon did not know peace. And then one day, Jesus came in and everything changed. And one morning in Bethlehem, Jesus came in this world and everything changed. Here's the next observation is this, is that peace is revealed. Peace is revealed. Look at verse 26 with me again as we move through today's text, but now revealed and made known. It was a mystery, but now it's revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures according to the command of the eternal God. The Christmas story is so powerful that the world has to celebrate it even if they don't believe it. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible that the Christmas story, God becoming a man is so powerful And it's such a powerful story that those who don't believe it in faith have to acknowledge its power. And so it is that I'm shuffling through clothes at J.C. Penney's and the praises of our God are all through the intercom. Hope and peace are revealed. Everything changed that morning. Everything changed when God got involved. And that's why I frame this sermon. I, I frame this sermon. And Beth and the team are working on worship songs and we're praying through and we're thinking through this whole month of December ways to connect your heart with the Christmas story. Not out of cultural obligation, not out of sentimentality, but because there's power in the story. There's power in the coming. There's power in the incarnation. God became flesh. God became real. God dwelling among us. If you understand the power of that, it's life-changing. You'll never, ever be the same again. And so let's not be dull to this story. I, I want the peace of God to invade your heart today. I want the peace of God to be so satisfying to you that the outcome 
of your turkey does not make Christmas successful or not. The outcome of those family dynamics that, that are so often awkward and you wonder, is this person going to show up? Or are they going to show up in a timely way? Is the conversation going to be good? And it kind of feels like Christmas is at risk, right? Christmas is at risk because we don't know how the outcome's going to be. Can I tell you, Christmas is not at risk because Christmas was established a long time ago. The Prince of Peace has come and made his residency here. The God has become flesh. He dwells among us and he dwells in our hearts right now today. That's reason to celebrate. Look at Ephesians chapter two. I love the richness of these scriptures this morning. For you are, this is Ephesians chapter two, starting with verse eight. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. I love that scripture and I wanted to give context. Now, as we start verse 11, here's where I really want us to focus. So then, remember that at one time, you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of promise without hope and without God in the world. Now listen, guys, this is Ephesians chapter two, uh, verse 11, and it's not on the screen because I actually want you to use your Bibles occasionally, okay? Or your phones, go to your phones. Ephesians chapter two, verse 11. Now, here's what I want you to get at. I want to remind you of something today. One time, you were not saved. Now, you may have... Uh, said the center prayer at, at center's prayer at age three, and I'm happy for you. But do you realize that the trajectory of your life without Christ would not have been good? I mean, if you had not given your life at VBS or a Bible study, who knows where you'd be this morning? You may be in prison this morning. You, you may be bound in sin this morning. You may be an you may have been an instrument of wickedness if it had not been for the Lord, brothers and sisters. I want us not to take this story for granted. I don't want us to take Christ for granted. I don't want us to just think in our minds, well, we're just Christian because we marked it off the census. No, we're Christian because God chose us. God marked us. God identified us and he sent his grace and that demands our worship. We worship God because once we were on the outside, now we're on the inside. Once we were in darkness, now we're in light. Once we were unsaved, now we're saved. Once we were aliens and we were excluded and we were outcasts, now we're adopted and grafted into the kingdom. This, this causes our faith to be alive and to be real. And so now we're in verse 12. At that time, you... You, Church of Indian Lake. Hey, Tennesseans, listen to me. I want you to remember this. And those of you who, weren't, who are not Jewish, listen to me. All of, all of you who are Irish or Italian or have roots in Africa or have roots in Asia, listen to me. At one time, you were without the Messiah. I mean, we were out. We weren't part of God's chosen people. Before Christ, we were on the outside. I want you to remember this, people. 
God, the scripture is causing you to remember this. At one time, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. You were without the Messiah, excluded from citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. But look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. Look at verse 14 now. For he is our peace. Who's our peace? Jesus is our peace. He is our peace. He is our peace. America is not our peace. Cultural traditions are not our peace. Okay, even the lie that intimacy is where we get our fulfillment in life. That's not where our peace is. Our peace comes from Christ. Our peace comes from him. His peace is the only peace that won't wear out. His peace is the only one who won't leave us a little bit empty and a little bit unsatisfied. His peace has no end. And so, verse 14, for he is our peace who has made both groups one and has tore down the dividing wall of hostility. And one day, peace will be revealed. Listen, here's my prayer for you. Whatever situation you find yourself in today, listen, there's peace for you. Some of you, things are going pretty good. It's a good season. It's a good season for your life. Can I just tell you, Jesus is still your peace. Don't be deceived by the pleasures of this world. But I'm well aware, many of you are challenged. You're challenged economically. You're challenged um, relationally. You're challenged, maybe some of us are dealing with issues of depression, issues of anxiety. We're dealing with things that we can't quite control. Some of us are dealing with addictions. And I want you to understand something. He is your peace. Peace is here right now. Jesus came to bring his peace and he wants to bring it experientially to you. He wants to be your peace. You know, there's something within us that longs for more peace. Longs, we, we all want more peace. In 19, early 1970s, I think that's when Disney World opened in, in Florida. And I know some of you are just like Disney people. I know there's some of you out there who have a Disney World Christmas tree, a Disney Christmas tree. You've got Mouses and Pluto and or Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, mice, okay, thank you, thank you. You have mice, whatever. So, so you, you have a Disney Christmas tree. So I'm not gonna pick on Disney too much because I know, I mean, there's like God, the Holy Spirit, and Disney kind of in there for some people. So I'm, I'm aware of this. I'm really aware of the sensitivities here. But here's the thing. I, I've been to Disney World a couple of times. It's fair, it's okay. Um, you know, it's, it's a little overrated, but, but I'll probably go back again. I'm glad I got to go. Yes, I hear this. Dad! Um, but one thing, when they opened Disney in the 70s, one of the rides that has so much sentimental value, it's just a goofy, goofy little ride, but they haven't been able to get rid of it because there would be an uprising in all these Disney lovers. It's a small world ride, right? Okay. So this ride, you wait in line forever. And the outcome are these little mannequin or dolls that you look at and ride a boat. I think that's it, right? And you pay hundreds of dollars and stand in line in the heat for hours to look at these little dolls. And over and over and over again, you hear the song, it's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. Yeah, yeah. 
We got a choir. And the first three times you hear it, it's nice. But after 457 times, I mean, my OCD part of me is like, shut the song off. I want to rip the speakers off. You know, it's just terrible, horrible. But we'll never forget the song. And now that I've criticized the ride, uh, let, let me tell you why I think that that ride has incredible popularity and it will never go away. And I think Walt Disney was ahead in seeing where globalization was going and the fact that the wars that had divided nations were so unnecessary and they still are. There is something within us, and I've ruined the story by criticizing the ride, but now just go with me here. There's something within us that loves that ride because we long for a world of peace. We long for a world of peace. And it just gets ridiculous when another war starts and more killing happens. And it's like this diplomat gets mad at this other diplomat, and so we send our young to war and our 18 to 25-year-olds die because men and women get mad at each other. It's senseless. There is a time for just war and theologians such as Augustine have thought about that and there is a just war theory that, that I suppose I hold to and I guess I do. But Walt Disney in that little song lets us realize that, come on, come on, we're, we're more the same than we're different. And, and for whatever reason, the message of solidarity has become a worldly message. As if, as Christians, as if we desire world peace. Well, hey, we're getting too, I don't know, warm and fuzzy there. And, you know, we need to make some more nuclear bombs and really, really eliminate the nations, you know. That, that's a prevailing attitude we have. I, I want you to understand that peace is God's idea. Peace is not the idea of the United Nations. Peace is not the idea of a political party. Peace is not the idea of some kind of political leader. Peace is God's idea. And he wants the nations to be at peace. He wants the nations to be at peace. He wants the nations to be at peace. That's why when we watch the Olympics, you know, we, we feel so good that Nations can lay down their weapons and just compete. And I see a classic picture of Jesse Owens here shaking the hand of an of a Aryan athlete. I think he was a Swedish athlete, but that was right there in Berlin, Germany. And realizing that right in the middle of genocide, and we had no idea how bad things were in Berlin, that the Nazi regime is eliminating the gypsies and the Jews and the Africans and the Catholics and uh, having no idea how bad it was. And yet in competition... Our heart resonates with a picture like this, right? In 1933 Olympics, how it should be. People shaking hands. And here's my last point. When we talk about this power of Jesus, we're talking about not just peace revealed, concealed and peace revealed, but peace for the nations. Peace for the nations. Man, that's what we get to herald. That's what we represent here. We represent Jesus, who is the peace of the nations. And look with me at verse 26 in our main text today. Now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of faith among all nations. Do you know we're living in the middle of that? 
the spread of Christianity the last 2,000 years accelerated in the last 150 years. Even though our nation is turning away from God, do you know Africa is turning to God? Do you know that South America has turned to God? Do you know that China has turned to God? Do you know that there is a revival, an underground house revival in Iran and Persia and Iran is coming back to God? The world, the gospel is being advanced because God has a plan for the nations. He has a plan for peace to the nations. He has a plan. And when his gospel comes to the nations, that the world should be a better place. There should be more peace. There should be more love. There should be more hope. That's the message. The prophet Amos talked about this, about what would happen when the Messiah rules. In Amos chapter 9, verse 13 through 5, he says, hear this. The days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the one who treads grapes, the sower of seed. And the mountains will drip with sweet wine and all the hills will flow with it. Listen to this, because this is happening. This has happened since 1948 among our Jewish brothers and sisters. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. They will rebuild and occupy ruined cities. You know, we have seen that happen in the last 70 years. They will plant vineyards and drink wine, make gardens and eat their produce. I will plant them on their land and they will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them. Yahweh, your God, has spoken. God has raised up the Jewish people in Israel to be the dispensers of peace to the nations and we are getting to see these things in our lifetime. We're getting to see the advancement of the gospel in ways we've never dreamed. God has a plan for the nations. Look lastly with me at Romans chapter, no, let's go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 18. Matthew chapter 12, verse 18. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit on him. This is Jesus. He will proclaim justice to what? The nations. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout. And no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed and he will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory. The nations will put their hope in his name. This is a rephrase of a prophecy in Isaiah. But I want you to let this this scripture get in your spirit, verse 21. Listen, the nations will put their hope in his name. I see Mark Plew, Mark and Donna Plew back there who are workers in the Gideons. The Gideons is taking God's word to the nations because the nations will put their hope in his name. Here's the last scripture, Romans chapter one, verse five. We have received grace and apostleship through him to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations on behalf of of his name. Brothers and sisters, why do we worship on Christmas? Why do we celebrate the advent coming of the Lord? Why do we celebrate the incarnation of the world? Because peace was concealed. Now peace is revealed and peace has come to me and peace has come to you and peace is coming to the nations of this world. What is the answer for Syria? where tens and thousands of people have died in the last three to five years. I mean, it's happening in our time. It's not in the history books. It's happening in our day and age. What's the hope for Syria? What's the hope of Somalia has no government and it has, has no order and it has no recognized army. It's a lawless land, equivalent, the length of the coast 
of America is the length of Somalia, a land we've just forgotten about because there's no hope. What's the hope for communist China? I mean, are, is communist China gonna lead the world? Propagating atheism? Well, what's the hope now for Cuba, who's lived in economic darkness for the last 50 to 60 years? Let me tell you what the hope is. The hope is not through our politicians. It's not through our resolutions. It's not through military force. The hope is through the name of Jesus Christ, who is the name above every name, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you are part of God's people and you have a responsibility to proclaim his name and to build his church and to be a light in a dark place and to be a place of hope where there's not hope, to be a place of hope where there's been despair. And we we still have hope for our nation if the church rises. There's still hope for our nation if we believe in the name of the Lord. Peace is here. Peace is beneath us. Peace, more accurately, is within us. We don't have to wait for a revival. Our hope for a revival, the everything we need for renewal is right within us. You are God's people. You are men and women of God. And he wants you to tap into the greatness of who he is because peace is here. Amen? Amen. Well, I take a week off from preaching. I'll preach a little longer, huh? I just got a little into this today. Come on, let's stand together. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? I can't wait to worship with you on this Christmas Eve at four o'clock. But I, I, I want us to just spend a couple minutes. I know our time is pretty much to an end, but the Lord's Supper is here to prepare us, and, and, and I really feel like God has spoken to believers this morning in a strong way. Amos chapter six is a script, one of the first scriptures I memorized. My youth pastor had me memorize this. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion. I mean, watch out for those of you who are complacent in the ways of God. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion. And, and, and God wants to stir up the good things of God. We're moving to a new year. We're moving to new opportunities. And everything you need is connected with the Lord. He is your peace. He is your peace. Father, I pray for my friends. I pray that, that they would tap into the peace of God today. It's not a mystery. It was a mystery, but it's not a mystery anymore. Listen, it was concealed, but it's revealed right now. It was hidden, but it's known. And Lord... If you have a plan for the nations, then you have a plan for me. Isn't that true? If God has a plan to redeem this world and, and to save Islam, and God has a plan to cause all nations to come to submission to his will, then he has a plan for your life this week. And so, Lord, we rest in that. Let's spend some time in prayer. Would you just pray for one another? Go to this altar area. I want our pastors and prayer partners, if you're a prayer partner, Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.